I have a testimony tonight from Ms. Mary Walton. Ms. Mary, if you'll come uh, and just share with us. We're having testimonies uh, about building for eternity. And uh, tonight is Ms. Mary Walton. problems speaking in front of people. I can talk to each one of you separately, but to speak to, to you like this is a different story. Um, Jack and I came to Woodland Hills around 2002, and he, he was the outgoing person. He's the one that went around shaking hands with everybody and yelling amen when the preacher preached and all this. But after he died in 2005, well, I thought, well, I'd try to take his place on something. Not shouting amen, but I do try to greet everybody and uh, so that, that's why I do that if y'all are wondering and, and if you think I'm nervous I am <laughs> um, we were meeting in the original church building here when we first came am I holding it close enough I can't tell <laughs> okay and then brother Charles came on the scene and he had or he has a vision and so everything changed. Nothing has ever been the same since then. And I thank the Lord for it because it has been great. But uh, we, we grew so fast that we ran out of space and we had to go to two Sunday schools. We did just have two ladies' classes and then we split those up. And anyway, we, and uh, we had an early one and a late one. And we still ran out. And they did a lot of remodeling and we still ran out of space. So the, the remodeling wasn't enough. So we were going to have to build if we wanted to reach more people. And so we came to building for kingdom growth. And one of the main things that we had was a decision where we're going to meet. And I know Brother Charles remembers it very well. We were talking about a tent out in the parking lot or renting a space in a building or taking the cage out there and redoing it and making it a worship center. And that's what we did. We figured that that would be the, uh, the best thing to do was, with the Lord's money was to do that. And if you're wondering what that is, it, it was nothing but a slab with a roof on it and a, a wire chain link fence around it. Yeah, <laughs> good thing. And you see what it is today. It is the Grand Hall now, and that's where we met while this building was being done. So, uh, and then we came to Vision 2020, and so we had a, a, another fun, and now it's building for eternity. And, and, you know, all these projects have the same purpose. They've all had different titles, but it's all the same purpose, and that is building for eternity. And when, when we invest in these children, we're investing in eternity. And, uh, you know, I, I could say, look at us now, you know. But it's not because of what we've done. It's what the Lord has done through his people. And under the leadership of our pastor. And I feel like that he's done it under the leadership of the Lord. And so, uh, anyway, and, and God continues to add to our church. I walk up to people and I'll say, uh, are you visiting with us today? <laughs> no, I'm a member. 
So we are we are still growing, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I, I'm just grateful and thankful to be a part of this growing, vibrant church, and so we need to keep building for eternity. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Miss Mary, and appreciate her and appreciate Brother Jack. I remember getting here, and first thing Jack told me was, you're not really the pastor I wanted. And uh, <laughs> that's, I mean, I thought, well, that's God. That's good. Uh, but he wanted the one down at Comanil, and uh, he told me that. He said, I really, I really like him, and I, I'll try to work with you, but you're not really the one I wanted. And, uh, but... We became good friends, and what a blessing. He changed his mind, amen. Yeah, what a, what a blessing. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 35. And, uh, you know, the elephant in the room around here is no, nobody, nobody wants to, to go to two services. Everybody wants to stay in one service. Now, I understand that. Uh, but the real truth of the matter is that if we continue to grow, uh, there's no other alternative we have but to go to two services because we're not going to pack them in. Statistics show that even in this auditorium, we, we built this auditorium when we had 200, and we thought, my soul, we'll be here till Jesus comes. Uh, but you could look around Sunday, and that was less than 700. And when you get up close to about 900 in this place, it's going to be... It's going to be packed. And uh, so we've got to do some uh, other things, and we, we're trying to be creative. But I'll tell you, I'll, uh, I, I'll, I'll get a tent and preach under it before we see the Spirit of the, the Lord leave the place. I think that's one of the problems in a lot of churches. They gear up for so many services that there's no time for the Holy Spirit to work. And one of the first things everyone says when they walk in the door, boy, you can feel the Spirit in this place. Well, there's reason for that. Uh, and, uh, and we don't want to compromise that whatsoever. So you pray in the days ahead uh, of, of what God is going to do and what God wants to do. And it's going to be marvelous. I'm, I'm excited about it. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, Well, what would you that I should do for you? And they said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on the right hand and the other on the left hand, in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, You, you know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized withal, shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give. It shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him and said unto them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles 
exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I want to tell you, this story is not one of the disciples' finest moments. Uh, It almost sounds, bless God, like a Baptist church. Uh, A couple of brothers in a small group decide that they want to sit on the right hand and on the left hand of the Lord. And, And, you know, I've tried to think about this. Not only did they decide they want to, but I, I don't think I'd be taking Scripture out of context to tell you this, that probably in their mind, they're thinking we deserve to. Lord, not only do I want to sit on you right and left, but Lord, you know, we're, your, we're the A-team. We're the closest ones to you. And really, we deserve to sit on the left hand and on the right hand. And that's probably what's going through their mind. So they gather up their courage, and Matthew suggests that they took their mama with them. Amen. Uh, it's always great to have mama there to plead the case. Uh, Salome, their mom, was arguably a sister of Jesus' mom, so Aunt Salome might have a family weapon to get in their way, you know, and maybe do a little uh, uh, arm bending here and ask Jesus for uh, uh, this, this favor. I, I see a lot of similarities in the way the brothers approach Jesus and really the way that the rich young ruler approach Jesus that we've already looked at just previously the rich man's tactics he was running he was bowing he was saying good teacher they were a little different but the brothers asked Jesus to say that he would give them whatsoever they ask and that's exactly what the rich man said hey well I need to know what must I do would you give me eternal life that's what I'm asking for eternal life so both of these uh, approaches to Jesus really had hooks in them to try to get Jesus to pull into their way. Now, when we attempt to use our wiles on the Lord, and you say, what do you mean, use our wiles on the Lord? Well, I mean, I know you're more spiritual than me, so you've never done this. But there have been times when I said, Lord, if you'll do this for me, I'll do this. Mm Mm-hmm. And... uh, you know, uh, that, that's kind of using your wiles on the Lord right there. Uh, that's kind of going a little bit overboard. Now, there's a pride here, first of all, I want you to see. Of all the things which the Lord seems to hate, it seems to be pride is the number one thing. I mean, Proverbs six 16, we're told six things that the Lord hates, and leading the list is a proud look. Proverbs 21, 4 says, A high look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked is sin. I mean, we're talking about somebody now that walked around with their nose up in there. If it come a rainstorm, they drowned. That's that proud look we're talking about here. And uh, the Lord didn't like that. Uh, James probably says it best, the nail in the coffin, when he wrote, the Lord resists or stiff arms the proud. So when you've got pride in your life, it's, an in, it's a disease that infects us and and, and uh, I want to tell you, none of us in this room are exempt from that. Every one of us have a problem. Now, now look at the brothers James and John. They had left a successful fishing business, had a family business. They were now in the inner circle there. And they obviously thought that they had earned and deserved the right to be number one and two alongside Jesus. Uh, they weren't 
they weren't trying to make sure they were included in Jesus's kingdom. They wanted to be at the top of Jesus's kingdom. Lord, don't just include me in your kingdom. I want to be at the top of your kingdom. Most of us are just praying, bless God, we get into the kingdom. Uh, but they've already determined they don't want to just be in the kingdom. They want to be at the top of the kingdom there. And, uh, you know, Peter seemed to be taking the lead a little bit probably too much here, talking too much, had too much authority, gaining too much leadership. So I think they made a move to secure their position. Uh, Pride is always lurking in each one of us in the background. And the devil's always lurking in the background. I'm going to tell you, the more you try to do for the Lord, the more the devil's going to lurk, and he's going to do everything he can. The world tells us that pride, uh, power, uh, position, it can only be gained by uh, looking out for yourself, knocking somebody off the ladder, elbowing and, and working your way up to the top uh, because you're not going to get there any other way. Uh, I, I, uh, I've been in churches. I've never pastored one, but I've been in churches before where electing the deacons was like a political campaign. I've been there, seen it. It was a popularity contest. I asked a guy uh, last week, I said, how in the world did you, that this church has elders. I said, how did these guys get to be elders? I mean, they're as carnal as a fruit loop. And, and, and the guy said, well, uh, they're popular in the church. And they go back a long way. And I said, and that has nothing to do with being called an elder or deacon. Not a thing. But a lot of churches have people after people that think they have a right to be the chairman of this or a right to be, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, it's been a long time since I've gone into a home with Becky and I and sat down and, and, and had somebody just tell me, uh, preacher, all we want to do is find a place to serve. We just want to serve the Lord. We just want to serve and give. It's been a long time since I had anybody tell me that. When I go in their houses, they're always saying, what can your church do for my kids? And what can your church do for us as senior adults? And, and what can your church do over here? And how can your church help us here? Uh, it's always how somebody can get helped rather than how they can help somebody else. So uh, every, every time I hear a sermon on pride, I know I've told you this before, and you've heard it before from different people. But you remember Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, the boxer? Uh, I mean, mouthing off, he, he was a big shot. And uh, the true story, he was on an airplane, and the flight attendant asked him to buckle his seatbelt. And he looked at her and said, Superman don't need a seatbelt. She looked back at him and said, Superman don't need an airplane. Shut up and buckle your seatbelt. We, we, we think we got pride, and that may rise up, but I want to tell you, the Lord hates pride. He stiff arms it. And then the problems that test us. When you attempt to take a position over others, what do you think others are going to do? What do you think they're going to do? Uh, it'll create problems. Verse 41 uh, tells us there, to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. They got indignant with them. 
It, it ticked them off. They were angry. They lost their temper, really, is what the transliterated uh, from the Greek says. Now, the lesson here is that these disciples are as human as we are. Sometimes we get the idea that because they were disciples and they'd been with the Lord, that they were kind of up there on the Lord's level. They're not deity. They're just like you and I. There's only one that's deified, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God in the flesh. He is the one with deity. No one else can do that. So uh, you can see the parallel to the brother and the fellow disciples. Uh, man, these guys ought to have been ashamed for what they're asking here. Just before this, Jesus has told them that he is going to be taken into Jerusalem. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be spat upon. He's going to have a trial. They're going to crucify him and kill him. And instead of the disciples saying, oh, we need to do something to you know, maybe help that or how, how can we help you with that? They come and say, Lord, uh, got a favor for you. We want to sit on your right side and your left side. I mean, that's just pretty well, pretty well inappropriate here. You would think that anger and pride are in control. And literally, when anger and pride get in control, you're going to find that it kicks God out. And if you don't kick him out, he'll walk out on his own. But he won't be around that. When we give in to the sin of pride and anger, we give Satan an entrance to the throne room and our lives once it's there. And, and literally, when he gets into the throne room with us, we lose the power that we have through prayer with him and the fellowship with him. Now, there's some principles here <clears throat> that, that seem important here. Teaching comes uh, in many forms. And of course, Jesus is a master teacher. There's, there's, man, can you just believe what it would have been like to sit on, sit on the side of the Sea of Galilee and hear Jesus teach and just listen to him? I mean, he was the master teacher. Uh, he, he uses all kinds of forms. One hand, he just taught the group how unchanging he was by allowing a rich man to walk away. And there wouldn't have been a one of us that would have done that if, if Jesus was standing right here and a man comes running down this aisle here and he bows down before him and he says, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And he's humbled himself and he's bowed down before him. Every one of us would say, now that old boy, if he can get right with Jesus. But see, that didn't affect Jesus. Jesus knew his heart. And then, bless God, every preacher would have went after him because they knew he was rich. And they, we just said, look, come on back to the church. Sometimes they get a little excited here. and Sometimes, you know, they just get a little out of hand. But you come on back to our church and we'll fit you in and we'll, 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 we'll make this thing work. It didn't bother Jesus. He's unchanging. You won't find anywhere in the New Testament where Jesus lowered his standards and compromised and said, all right, I'll let you into the kingdom of God. There's nowhere in there where he does that. He's holding back nothing. Holding back literally nothing there. Uh, and that's still the way it is today. You either come to Jesus with everything or you don't come to Jesus at all. Now there's a, there's a popular myth going around that Jesus can be your Savior but not be your Lord. No, he's Savior and Lord when you get saved. Amen. Now, you may backslide, and you may put a lot of other priorities before him and get your life out of whack. In fact, I'll just be honest with you. Uh, what Dr. Queen, 
I can't remember which service he taught it in, whether it was church or Sunday school, one of those two. Uh, I think it was one of those two, but it was on the soil. Uh, have you ever heard a better explanation than that in your entire life? I mean, you know, uh, there, there's some seed going to fall on some soil, and we may think that they're saved and they're going to do good, but we're not the one who's the judge. That's above our pay scale. That's the Lord who does that. And I will tell you, the real truth is the Bible teaches that the proof in the pudding is, you remember when they came and said, we've repented, and you remember what uh, John said? He said, will you go back and show me your works of repentance? And then I'll believe you repented. You show me some works. At the same time, people, uh, when they're trying to do their best to follow Christ, they get tangled up with normal problems. Uh, the Lord demonstrates patience. And uh, I, I, I tell you, I am thankful that the Lord has never taken the opportunity to throw me under the bus. He's had plenty of chances. He's had more than enough chances. I've messed up so many times and done so many things wrong in 64 years. He could have thrown me under the bus and no, not a word would have been said. But he's never done that. He's never done that. <laughs> Don't look so self-righteous because some of you are in the same boat. <laughs> Two of the 12 asked Jesus for special treatment and the other 10 got hot. Now, what's about to happen is the little church of 12 is about to split. And in the Southern Baptist Convention, we would call it building a new mission church. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> you, I mean, that, you, you, you left no hope. I mean, you got Hope Baptist up here, and then you got Little Hope Baptist here, and then you got No Hope Baptist over here. And all three of them are split off the same one. Uh, but they, 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 they got some, you know, there's some problems going on in the business meeting here. And verse 42 through 44 gives us a picture of what Jesus is offering his disciples, the principles that's going to help them navigate the, the problems in life. Every one of us is going to have problems. But he's going to help them discover his divine purpose. And he uses the same teaching he did on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you have heard it said, and here he simply says, you know. And the disciples did know. He's been with them. He's been teaching them there. You know. And immediately, they recognized the ways of the world. And they heard these lips from the, uh, these, these words fall from the lips of Jesus. It probably was pretty uh, repulsive to them. The order of the day in the Roman culture then was to step on people to get up to where you needed to be. Didn't matter who. Made no difference who. But Jesus simply says, it shall not be so among you. Notice that was not a question. That was not open for discussion. That was not a compromise to say, you know, you might get a little bit out of shape or something. Uh -uh. It shall not be among you. He is literally, it's a declaration. It's not going to be among you. As a child of God, one of our life's purposes is to please him. You get up in the morning and you say, here I am reporting for duty. If you want me to clean toilets today, I'll clean toilets today. If you want me to do whatever you want me to do. But Lord, it's not what I want to do, it's what you want to do through me. That's where we ought to be. 
Now, he reveals the opposites of this world in the words that he wrote. Uh, back in verse 31, he made it clear uh, in, in the same chapter, chapter 10. He said, but many that are first shall be last and the last first. Now, he's made it clear. Here's the way you're going to find God's purpose in your life. Uh, and I want to tell you, probably one of the best sayings that was ever said about it was what John F. Kennedy said. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. I mean, he's literally saying here, guys, quit asking what these people are going to do for you. I'm asking you what you're going to do for them. Because we came not to be ministered to. We came to be the ministers. So we keep that in mind as a, as a father sent me, Jesus said, so send I you. <laughs> so we all have that same spirit and attitude. Now the purpose here, and let me close out here. In verse 45, it's the purpose of Christ. Even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Verse 45 is a mission statement of the Lord. Every church has got a mission statement. This is a mission. Now it carries two parts here. He came to serve and he came to give. That's what the Lord came to do. It's a two-part mission. And we become like Jesus by discovering his purpose when we do serve. Think about uh, just, well, in John 13, we're, we're getting ready to go into the upper room. And, and uh, when he's in the upper room there, and the disciples are there, and there's nobody there available to wash the disciples' feet, what, what does Jesus do? Now, guys, one of y'all going to have... No. He gets the pan. He puts the towel over himself, and he begins to wash their feet. Mm. He, he does that himself. Well, uh, he didn't just stop there. Uh, he, he's teaching us about service, and he's pretty clear here. And his disciples didn't come to have people serve them. They're, they're present in this world to serve others. Now, Human nature tells us that's just the opposite of the way the world works. You want to be great, you get people under you. But the Lord says you want to be great, you get people over you. You serve. You serve. You know what? If we could ever get through our mind who it is that really blesses us, I don't think we understand that. I don't think we understand it. Because we have this idea that we're hard workers and we do this and we do that. That's why we're blessed. And why we have what we have is because of what I did and the decisions I made. And some of that plays a big part in that. But I want to tell you, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from above. Now, if we could figure out who it is that's going to give the blessings, that's the one we ought to be pleasing. Amen? I mean, I figured out in my house who to please. <laughs> it don't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Uh, you, you know who to please. I'm not sure she's the one giving the blessing, but I'm just telling you, uh, she's the one I want to please. And when it comes to serving the Lord, we're not here to please each other. We're not here to please each other. I was looking on Facebook at one of our members. I some of you probably have seen it, so you know, so it won't be a surprise to you. But uh, he was talking about going to Haiti. And some of his friends got on there and said, well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. There are people here that need help. Why are you going all the way to Haiti to help people? 
And uh, then another guy piped in. That's right. You know, you're just throwing your money away. And I, I told him, I said, you need to find you some new friends. Friends you got. I mean, you don't need no enemies with the friends you got. But literally, that's the way a lot of people think. Now, we won't say that out here in public, but that's really what's on our heart. And if it's on our heart, I'm going to tell you, the Lord knows what it is. <laughs> our purpose changes when our heart changes. I wish I could tell you that uh, I love to serve the Lord because I just love people. I'll tell you right now, sometimes people can drive me crazy. I mean, man, <laughs> my, my wife don't say very much, but she was listening to a conversation here this last week, and she came over and just took my hand, and she said, I wouldn't do it. I don't know how you do it. I just wouldn't take it. I wouldn't do it. And I, and I just reiterated again, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And when we serve him, and he's happy with it. He gives us the blessings. That's where the blessings come from. They come from the Jesus uh, that, that we love and serve. Our purpose uh, in humanity, uh, our, our purpose in life literally feeds our soul when we're doing something to help somebody else. Now, the world doesn't understand that. People don't understand that. But you can be, you know, if you're down and you're depressed and you're kind of out of it, uh, you know, let me tell you, you get up and you start helping somebody else. Hmm. Uh, man, I, I remember, uh, you know, just, just with, with the children that have been born, we're, we're so blessed. Uh, with little Charlie, he's beginning to walk now, and we're thrilled, and, and we're just praising God for that. But, you know, I, I go to the hospital there, and I saw him, and I thought, oh, my, this is bad. This is bad. But then I look over there and someone else is a lot worse. And I'm telling you, we, we, we are replenished when we help somebody else, when we serve somebody else. That's the important thing right there. Father, thank you today for allowing us to come and gather together. Thank you for the songs we've been able to sing about the cross and your redeeming love for us. Lord, thank you tonight that you're still willing to save, whether it be someone who's so deep in sin or someone who thinks they're living a good life, you're still willing to save them. I thank you for that. Lord, I'd ask you to bless uh, this church and bless the fellowship we have together. God, may you continue to keep us in one accord and in unity together. And I pray for this Sunday, God, as we celebrate the resurrection. Would you remind us again that there would be no resurrection if there hadn't have been a cross? That somebody had to go to that cross who was perfect lamb, spotless, and die for me so that I could enjoy the resurrection. Lord, let, never let me forget that. Never. We love you. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank